0: Hey guys, welcome to the 7 Figure Box Show. My name is Andrew Frezza and in today's episode I have an awesome guest joining me. I have Matt Delavalle of NC Fit, also known as MDV. You guys have probably heard him before on the Business of Fitness podcast and if you haven't listened to the Business of Fitness podcast, I would highly recommend checking it out. MDV and Jason Kalip are usually the two that are on that podcast and mdv is actually starting a new podcast which i just listened to his first episode this week with jason called the intro with mdv so make sure you guys check that out if you're a fan of his but in this episode we talk about his journey and he's got a really cool journey i mean he's worked with ben bergeron at crossfit new england he worked with denise thomas and austin maliolo at reebok crossfit he also worked for the corporate side of reebok for a few years and he was on seminar staff as well with CrossFit, doing the level one. And in addition to that, he's now with Jason Kalipa at NC Fit, and then he's been with them for the last few years. So he's got a wide range of experiences doing roles as a coach, doing more of the corporate side. He was a lawyer uh, for a little while. He, he went to law school. So he's got an incredible background and he shares a lot of his experience and his knowledge in this episode around coaching and setting up your day and programming and all that. So enjoy today's episode. We dive right into talking about CrossFit and how the programming and methodology has kind of uh, evolved or maybe been, been misconstrued a little bit over the years. And MDV shares his thoughts on kind of the positioning of the CrossFit brand. And then one other thing before I kick it off into the podcast, just wanna mention our immersion that we're doing at Fittown Jupiter starting in 2021. We still have some dates available for that. So if you guys are interested in spending a few days with me, seeing the behind the scenes of how we run our gym and really being able to see everything operationally in person and experience it, then head over to sevenfigurebox.com slash immersion and sign up for a call with me where we can talk and see if you're a good fit for it. Um, but enjoy today's episode and have a great day. talking about um really the mismatch of branding and where uh crossfit has maybe gone wrong over the years in terms of uh positioning their brand for the end consumer for maybe more of a mass market consumer is kind of what I heard from you.
1: Yeah you know what like I think you know like I was saying CrossFit when they when they came on the scene there was a certain irreverence. There was a certain intensity about the training methodology. And it always had the underpinnings of being something that could be for anyone. But obviously, when it first got started in California with a small number of gyms, you had these people doing things that you had never seen before and working out in a way that you had never seen before. So it was, it was kind of inherently intimidating because of that. And then the CrossFit Games came on the scene, and then you saw these amazing athletic feats you know, people like Rich Froning came to the equation, Annie Thor's daughter, all these other people. And you looked at them and you were like, wow, how, how did they get into that kind of shape? And I think for a lot of people like myself, it was, it was a pretty motivating thing because I was into fitness and I wanted to try these things that I had been seeing very early on. But I also think for a lot of people, it probably closed the door to them to a type of training that could be, very valuable and life-changing for them because it it did come off as being very intimidating only for elites. And the primary messaging that was hitting people through major media channels was ESPN's airing of the CrossFit game. So, you know, I kind of reflect on it and go every time or not every time, but a lot of times when a new member walks into a gym, they, they ask the question about is this going to be too intense for me? Am I gonna get hurt? Am I gonna to get too bulky? All those kinds of typical questions that we all know the answer to is no, but that's the general consensus in a lot of ways with that style of training. And I think that it's changing and you know, you've know, you seen a movement even more recently with current leadership to kind of write the messaging a little bit more towards the average person but it's hard. I think that those, those hills are very, very high for people. I think the word CrossFit for a lot of people is intimidating in, in and of itself. Um, and I, myself and, uh, the team at NC fit, what we believe is that functional training should be accessible for everybody, practical for everybody and be meaningful for everybody in a way that doesn't necessarily make them scared to walk through the door of the gym.
0: Yeah. That, and that's where I really see the alignment between what we're doing with Fit Town and what you guys are doing with NC Fit is that we've really looked at the the consumer and said, like, what does this person really need and want to live a, a great life outside the gym, not just have a great experience here and not just get the most elite type of workouts in the gym, but how can we fuel the rest of their lives? And, you know, I see what you guys are doing in terms of having, classes that have different lengths right some people don't have an hour or they don't think they have an hour or some days they just want to be able to get it in quicker you guys have 30 45 minute workouts we have a 45 minute beach fit class our boot camp style class Mm -hmm. and um you know i've seen how you guys have evolved your your thought process on programming over the years you know i think you guys what's really cool is like and i don't know if you guys did a specific podcast about this or you just kind of broke it down but just like Kind of this elitist view on certain movements are good and certain movements are bad, right? And I yeah. think it brought brought up like the up the up down is like people look down upon the up down, but the burpees on a pedestal, and it's like it's the same stimulus. And yeah. I mean, anybody who knows it, like it, you know, from a coach's perspective, you might actually want to use the up down on Sundays because you want a faster cycle time. Maybe you want to save the shoulders because they've come off a day of push ups and overhead you're like okay yeah there's still some shoulders in the up down but it's not as much as the burpee right so we see all these things but a lot of coaches don't a lot of the end consumer don't and they have they, they have this bucket of what's good and what's bad
1: yeah yeah I, I i definitely have a position on this you know i think that there's a commonality within our style of training sometimes where coaches look at movements or athletes look at movements and deem them to be better or worse based on the level of difficulty, the level of complexity, the style of movement, the type of movement. And they almost like place like a moral value on the movement, which I think is lunacy. It's crazy. It's just movement and different movements have different purposes. And one movement might be an extremely high power output style movement where you can move a large load long distance quickly clean and jerk is a fantastic example of tremendously powerful movement, but that doesn't make the plank any less valuable of a movement in its own right. You know, the plank is the ultimate simple expression of midline stabilization and control in a static position. Now they're different. Is one more complex than the other? Of course. Does one have a utility in life? Of course. Does the other have utility in life? Of course. So, you know, this whole debate about, the up-down in particular. And this was the one that really gets me spun up because it's a tr- tremendous movement in its own right. You have the ability to increase the cycle time, to move a large flow long distance quickly, to not necessarily put a tremendous strain on the shoulders through a dynamic motion up and down all the way to the ground, to put the athlete in a better body position sometimes than the burpee, and to take the push out of the equation if you don't want to Uh, over interfere with the push right but for some reason people look at it as being like the you know like a bastardized version of a burpee which is out it's crazy it's just a mischaracterization they're just two different movements and they have two different purposes and one is not better quote unquote than the other and one is not a step down than the other they're just different and the thing that was really interesting to me is that you know we we program the up down as a movement in its own right and we still program a lot of burpees, but Katrin Davis daughter one day posted a video of herself doing up downs in a training workout. And all of a sudden it became like cool to do an up down. Right. And like the tide has changed. Same deal with the slam ball. I saw the slam ball programmed in the games yeah. this year at the, at the ranch. And now all of a sudden, you know, the perception changes a little bit. So I, my encouragement usually for trainers out there is like, don't be so narrow in how you're looking at movement or how you look at types of workouts or how you look at even just other types of fitness that are out there you know open your mind up to them and you can still at the end of the day say hey i prefer the methodology that i follow as a way to get people fit
0: but i realize there's other stuff out there that can be valuable similar with movement yeah and, and uh we were kind of talking before this about how we're both <laughs> in longer our crossfit affiliates we let our our uh, affiliation run out and one of the things that I always loved about CrossFit is I always felt like CrossFit was this umbrella that encompassed a lot of things. You know, it was taking the best of powerlifting and weightlifting and gymnastics and endurance and sports-specific training and, and doing it. And it was almost like it was it was an excitement about exploring and learning new things. And so much fits under this umbrella of constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. And then, but in the practice of owning an affiliate, I felt like over the years, the clientele and the consumer started to kind of pigeonhole things and i think a lot of that happened with sort of the connection between the games and what we were doing in our gyms Mm. to to pigeonhole what it was and actually one of our my, my general manager who's who's fantastic will often say like uh you know we're not a crossfit gym what we do for years hasn't looked like what other crossfit gyms and my argument is yes we're very different from other crossfit gyms but I think we're we're just as much or more CrossFit than the ones who think they are like these typical prototypical CrossFit gyms because I think those people are more the competitive, uh, you know, practice of CrossFit and us is more of the expression of the real methodology. I mean, if you look at dot com workouts, the breadth of what they do is massive. Yet the breadth of what a lot of people do in their gyms looks more like just this very competitive path.
1: Mm. No, that's definitely a, you know, a point of view that I think is valid. Um, and you know, I, I do still think that CrossFit is a tremendous methodology. It changed my life and it changed the lives of millions of people. And I do think that at its core, it is much more open and the aperture is much wider for a range of people to join that style of training and have a tremendous impact on their life. And, um, you know, whether or not you as a gym owner want to continue to be an affiliate or not, is a very, very personal decision. You know, for us a few years back, it was the right time to start to change the course of where we were going. Um, and, f- you know, from a programming perspective, our programming at NC Fit looks very different than what you would see on dot com. And like you mentioned before, we do have multiple types of programs. We have a GPP program that we label NC Metcon, and we have a strength and conditioning program, which we label NCX. And they all both fall under our greater umbrella of NC Fit style of training. But those are different tracks, different programs, and they look, both of them, extremely different from what you would find on CrossFit.com. And for us, what we're looking to do is express a much more practical type of fitness, like you were alluding to. Would you...
0: Uh, So you said, uh, which one's your 45 minute one?
1: So NCX historically was programmed on a 45 minute timeline and that's our strength and conditioning class. Every day there's a strength component and also a conditioning element.
0: From your perspective, which of those programs or all of them would you label as like a CrossFit program? You know, obviously I get the legality of not labeling it, but knowing your, you know, the methodology, what would you say that all of them, none of them?
1: No, so I mean, when we are looking at our two different uh, programs, NC Metcon, which is our expression of GPP, has a higher level of variance and complexity than we see in NCX, which is strength and conditioning, but it's programmed on a much more moderate straight line across. So if you were comparing apples to apples and you looked at CrossFit.com and you looked at NC Metcon, you would find the most similarities between those two programs. You know, just the amount of complexity, loading and volume the, the structure in which the program is laid out has some similarities. Um, but still we, we have certain movements or don't time domains or structures of workouts that we would never touch that crossfit.com leans into very heavily. Uh, and they, we have movements and time domains and workouts that we do quite often that they would never touch and they're both great programs. They're just different.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking, because we, like, one of our jokes all all the time with our BeachFit program is, like, you know, when we had CrossFit and BeachFit, we would joke that, you know, BeachFit's really just CrossFit. These people just don't know they're doing CrossFit. And we very much always felt like CrossFit was inclusive to include something like that boot camp style program, whereas, again, a lot of people kind of look down upon that style of training. They don't really see it as uh, being the same. And I think that, you know, when you look at, again, the constantly varied functional movements at high intensity, it includes a lot of that. And I think that it should, you know, it should encompass that and be inclusive to that and not feel elitist or exclusive to those types of things.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And I think that, you know, as constantly varied functional movements at a high intensity, you know, there's a very specific protocol that you follow to get to that equation. But also it can be extremely open to interpretation. You know, that's, that's the real, the beauty and probably the curse of CrossFit as a, as a methodology and defining it is that it's both specific and non-specific at the same time. It's specific in so far that, yeah, it's constantly varied functional movements at a high intensity. And you can look at something and go, yes, that means something. But that also is an incredibly wide that uh, leaves room for incredibly wide interpretation and nearly anything can fall into that. And when we're looking at how we program, we don't think about constant variance as being necessarily like a hallmark of our program. We have variance in our program, but we we look at it more as being there's a specific plan in which we're going about this. And that was one of the things that always struck me about CrossFit programming is that a lot of times you're f- trying to find excuses for how variance isn't randomness. And, you know, sometimes those excuses are thin, but for other people, they have a really uh, profound explanation on it and they have a method to their madness. For us at NC Fit, we take planning in our programming very, very seriously, you know, all the way down from having high level charters for all of our programs, which means that the goals of the programs are constantly being leveled up into no matter what's going on, to yearly, to monthly, to weekly, to daily, to daily planning, and for us, that that does not represent variance; that represents planning.
0: Yeah, awesome. So I want to talk take kind a of step back here and talk about your evolution, your story sure. a little bit. So, um, from what I understand, you worked for Ben Bergeron for a little bit, and now worked for Jason, um, but never o- owned your own gym along the way, correct? Yeah. Yeah, um, kind of correct. So, um,
1: yes, I, I was able to, and I was very privileged to work with Ben early on at CrossFit New England. Uh, When was that 2008 or 2009, I had joined CrossFit New England and I believe I was there for three or four years in a very, very special community and a very special time at CrossFit New England. Um, and we can come back to that. Then I went over to Reebok World Headquarters. I worked on that team uh, for a similar amount of time, three or four years. Who was I mean, there at the time? Was
0: that Austin? Was there- Yep.
1: Austin Maliolo, Denise Thomas, um, a few others um, were there through the time. Uh, in that same time, I was able to earn my way onto CrossFit seminar staff, spent three or four years on that team. And then in 2015 or 16, I made my way uh, across the country to work with NC Fit, uh, and that's where I find myself right now. So yeah, I've been, been fortunate to, to roll in a lot of really amazing coaching circles, and uh, I, I take each one of those experiences uh, and hold them in high regard. So why, uh, why haven't you opened your own gym?
0: Why that's stick with that. the coaching? <laughs>
1: um, so I did actually become part owner of CrossFit One Nation uh, for a period of time. Um, and that was along with Austin Maliolo and, uh, another friend of mine, JC Del Real. And we, uh, we opened up two gyms together on the East coast. And then when I decided that I was going to move to the West coast, it was the best option for me to, um, to sell my portion of that gym and, and let those guys uh, run it. So, um, and that was calculated for me because I went through law school. I funded my education through loans. And uh, I had a f- fantastic time at law school. I would never trade it for anything. I think that it, the, the education in law school that you get is invaluable, um, but it's expensive. And when I graduated in 2008, 2009, the economy was a train wreck. And I had a job lined up at a very big firm that was going to you know, pay me a lot of money, make all my dreams come true. And it all eroded in an instant. And when I went and reflected on what I was really passionate about, I kept coming back to this thing that I had been doing since 2006, which was CrossFit functional training. So I decided to really go all in there. And when I went all in there, I was conscious of the risk of doing that, you know, not going to be making the type of money that I was going to make as an attorney for years. And that made me a little bit more gun shy about taking on another big investment or another big loan to go out there and, and open my own gym. And I had had some offers from people to partner up and had gone down the road a bunch of times with figuring out the numbers and all that kind of stuff. But I was also just very happy in what I was doing in being around Ben, and then being around Austin and then earning my way onto seminar staff. And then I got an offer to join Reebok HQ to work on the corporate side of the equation for that company. And at that point I, I knew that, hey, I, I have other skills that I probably want to dive into rather than owning my own gym.
0: Yeah. And how much does your desire to coach weigh into that? Did you see ownership as a path out of coaching where you wanted to be coaching? Well, uh, I don't necessarily know if I
1: saw it like that because I think that ownership in a lot of ways is the one of the highest expressions of coaching. I mean, you know, you, at least in my opinion, the owner, well, not always, but the owner is the person who is guiding the journey for and setting the example for the other coaches who are on the team. And I'm a big believer that the owner needs to walk the walk, or at least have walked the walk to have an understanding and a relationship at that certain level with their trainers and their athletes. So, um, it wasn't necessarily like a path out of coaching, um, I, I, I'm very passionate about coaching. Obviously, it's been something that I've dedicated my life to. I coach less now than I've ever coached in my career, um, partially due to, to the COVID situation, everything that's going on, but also just partially due to the responsibilities that I have now with NC Fit. You know, My time is much more spent on developing our our trainers, our big team, setting the tone, what's the culture, what are the standards that we're holding, and then if I'm able to I'm also
0: going out there and expressing it on the floor and, and making sure that my skills stay sharp. Nice. So what did it look like most recently prior to COVID? Like how many hours did you coach a week classes? Well, uh, probably somewhere two to three hours a week.
1: And that was, that's low considering the amount of hours that I've coached over my career in in different specific coaching roles. But, you know, we're a, we're a, we're a big team, or not a big team. We're a small team with a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, I I have a full-time gig of making sure that all the people that we interact with, all the workouts that we put on, all the different places those workouts end up going, um, that it's all as to the highest and utmost level of excellence that it can be. And I'd be doing myself a disservice if I was on the floor, doing the team a disservice for more than that amount of time because of the amount of effort that goes into the things that we do. And I really look at it as a responsibility to grow NC fit and reach its potential and being a servant to our team and our coaches to allow those guys to continue to grow within our organization. You know, as much as I love coaching, if I was doing it 20 hours a week, I would be not doing the other things that I need to do to, to expand our, our mission. So, um, two to three hours a week was probably like a area where I felt comfortable in which I was able to go out on the floor, interact with the athletes, have some fun, still keep my skills sharp, but um, it's definitely the minority of the amount of time that I spend right now.
0: Was that a hard transition for you to, to, I know I agree with you in terms of there's a higher, you're still coaching, right? You're still developing coaches. Uh, You're still, you know, I'm sure you and Jason coach each other a lot, but it's different. It's different than being on the floor. Was it hard to transition away from the floor like that? Well, I had transitioned um, when I was
1: working at Reebok CrossFit one, I was coaching full-time for that team. And um, the powers that be at Reebok made me an offer to join the global marketing team and to help them manage the CrossFit relationship. And when I did that, my coaching hours dropped way down. I went from coaching, you know, 15 to 20 hours a week to coaching two to three hours a week, if that, because of the demands of the job at Reebok. Uh, and that really the job at Reebok was a fantastic opportunity because it allowed me to resharpen a set of skills that I hadn't really been using as much over the years. I had developed some other ones through coaching and working with Ben and Austin at Reebok CrossFit one, but, um, uh, the challenge of working within a corporate environment was really refreshing for me. And then when I went to NC Fit, I had to dust off my coaching skills again, um, although I still was working on seminar staff and doing all that kind of stuff. So it was not um, It was a little bit less shocking when I went to NC Fit. It was more shocking for me when I, when I left the floor at Reebok CrossFit One and I went to
0: work corporate Reebok. It sounds like that was a good experience for you, though. Like you said, you used the word refreshing. Like what what about that was refreshing to you?
1: Well, you know, Reebok had a really interesting relationship with CrossFit. It was a -a one-of-a-kind type of partnership. Um, And what Reebok's mission was in that partnership was to obviously fulfill the needs of the contract through the games and all these other types of things. But they really were truly interested in connecting with the functional training CrossFit customer on a really deep and intimate level. And that was my, in in my eyes and and, and in the people I interacted with, that was one of my main responsibilities was to help Reebok figure out how can we reach this community in a way that is authentic, not necessarily with the end with, with the goal, the illicit goal of saying we want to sell you some shoes, but how do we create authentic messaging, a culture, a feel, that makes these people who are so passionate about fitness buy into what we are doing so that, yeah, they might be interested as an end state and buying and wearing our product, but not as the initial thing that we're doing or saying to them. So that's what I found really meaningful about working for Reebok. And also it was just, it was good for me to get back into a corporate environment, a more formal work atmosphere and rekindle those skills a little bit because I had been on the floor coaching for, you know, since 2009 to 2013 or 14, that was what I did
0: nonstop. What are some of those skills and and what are the things that you think a lot of coaches or gym owners need to know about, you know, what happens in a corporate world for those that maybe never have really been in a corporate world, or it's been a while, what are those skills that, that they could use today? Yeah, I don't
1: think it's anything that's, you know, too shocking to the conscience. And I think if, you know, we all reflected back on how do we, how do we want to come across as professionals as in what we do, that was the biggest lesson for me there. Um, you know, there was a, a lot of complexity into working within a multinational company and you have to figure out how to deal with all types of people, all types of projects, uh, there's a there's a different level of stress and pressure that goes into working in uh, a company like that, and some of those things you you might not experience as directly as if the only experience you have within is within the gym. The main thing that I would see as being a, a quote unquote skill that might be lacking from the corporate world into the gym world, and trust me, there's so much stuff in the gym world that is that needs to happen within the corporate world. But the main thing from the corporate world moving into the gym world would just be like the clarity and level of communication with customers, people, and uh, team members. So one one of the things that I see, and I'm not saying that this is everywhere, but gym owners and coaches sometimes lack some of the softer skills around communication with people or potential clients, answering your phone, following up via email, clearly stating what you do, why you do it, what's your value, all those kinds of things that go on within a corporate atmosphere or or standards in a corporate atmosphere, sometimes don't translate over or exist directly in the less formal gym environment. And, you know, I think that that's something that's been unique for me is being able to kind of bridge that gap and, and take some of those things that are traditionally corporate skills and, and find a way to make them applicable
0: in, in the gym world. Nice. Now, do you have any other thoughts on what makes a good gym owner versus a good coach? Or in your case, like maybe you can talk about, um, yeah, I think you're in a very unique position that a lot of, a lot of people can kind of aspire to, which is like, you don't own a business but at the same time, you're not just coaching classes. You're, you're a lot more to the organization that you're a part of. And, um, maybe like what, what kind of makes a good right-hand person to someone, you know, you're, you're kind of facilitating this mission versus of NC fit versus having you to be the one that's, um, you know, taking on all the risk owning it or having to create their own thing.
1: Yeah. So it, it's just the way it happens. Uh, I never would have looked at my career five or seven ago and said, Hey, I'm going to end up being chief fitness officer at NC fit. Um, You know, for me, it was much more about following my passion and making sure that I was putting in the requisite amount of effort that I knew I could put in to make things happen. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think a lot of coaches in the space might end up regretting if if they don't tap into those two things here's what i mean i get a lot of messages or we get a lot of messages at nc fit from coaches saying i don't know what's next for me or i just spent x number of years working at a gym and now i don't know what to do next and for me that's that's pretty that's pretty sad it's sad it's um because there's so much that you can learn and so much that you can tap into within this amazingly powerful role of being a coach and so many skills that you can transfer, but it takes effort and it takes focus. And you have to be intentional about how you're going out there on the floor every day and um, having a method to your madness. You know, the, the thing that I fear the most for some people in this space is that you find coaching, let's say at 25 years old and you spend seven years coaching, But at the end of seven years, you look up and you're 32 and you don't feel like you had any transferability of those skills to anything else, or you didn't form relationships, or you didn't make yourself a better professional to be able to now go out there and market yourself to maybe another organization within the fitness space or another gym, or, you know, potentially join a gym as a part of an ownership team or completely leaving coaching and going and doing something different. I think a lot of people get comfortable in coaching because it's super fun. It's really fun to coach it's really fun to work out all day, but that's not necessarily the most productive route for people. You can't just be going through this mindlessly because you're just gonna end up wasting time.
0: I love that. It's cool because it's like you didn't have this master plan to get to where you are today. It very much grew from an intentionality to show up to what you were doing every day and be a little bit better. And I think most people look at what you've done in the last 12 years, and they might see five dream job opportunities in there that you kind of like, it doesn't sound like you got fired from them. It doesn't sound like you left because you were disgruntled, but you continue to grow as a person, grow your skill set, And that just led to the next thing. And um, you know, it's crazy how many, how many great positions that people would probably kill for on paper that you've had over the last 12 years.
1: Yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. I really am. And, um, you know, some of it's right place, right time. Um, uh, some other of it is effort and opportunity. Um, but I, 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 really, I really don't take it for granted. I think that uh, I've been very fortunate, very lucky. I've also worked really hard. But, you know, I think that it's not, it's not an easy space sometimes for people. And I've had a lot of regrets and doubts. I don't want to make it seem like the past 12 years have been all rosy for me. They haven't. I've certainly had a lot of times when I've questioned, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? You know, I've seen my peers in law school surpass me in a lot of ways, um, you know, status wise, financially. But one of the things that I can really hang my hat on and be proud of is that I've done something for the past 12 years that's been incredibly rewarding for me, uh, emotionally, physically, mentally, socially, uh, and the financial rewards have, have slowly, uh, increased across that time. And, um, it's been something that I, I wouldn't trade it. You know, I wouldn't go back and say, all right, 2009, I don't want the recession to happen. I want to be an attorney for the rest of my life. I wouldn't do that.
0: I think that where I am right now is where exactly where I need to be. Cool. Is there is there any advice that you have for people who are trying to evaluate where they're at and whether and how to know when to move on to something? I mean, was that just a day to day feeling you had that you you because you you know like you said you have good opportunities, but then you're kind of moving on to something else?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, there's definitely a trap here, and the trap here that I've fallen into in the past was. Um, Thinking too early or putting too much emphasis on a next opportunity. You know, when I, was, when I was younger, I always was trying to think about what's next, what's next, what's next. And I think that there are lessons that I've missed learning or times, certainly times that I missed enjoying. That's probably the bigger regret for me, that the times that I missed enjoying because I was too busy not being present. You know, I think that if you can, you can be present and you can be all in and focused on the task at hand and still have your antennas up for conversations or things or people that might present themselves as opportunities. But nothing in my experience will be more important in impressing somebody to ask you about other opportunities than doing your current work better than anybody else. If you're completely crushing it, if you're outstanding at what you do, people are going to want to be associated with you and they're going to want to give you opportunities and they're going to want to watch you be successful. Where I think some people might get tripped up is that if you're not present in the moment, it's really hard to give that much time, attention and energy to what you're doing. And it, and it can come off sometimes as being dissatisfied or ungrateful or unmotivated. So My advice would be go all in with what you're doing, do it to the absolute best of your ability, but yeah. And keep your little antenna up in the back there that sets off a little reminder that, Hey, I should ask this person about this, or, Hey, this person asked me to have a conversation. I'm going to follow up with them. Those kinds of things.
0: I love that. I mean, it's funny because we've, we've hired, I mean, we're just one facility, but we've hired six of our last seven coaches from out of state and even though I've not seen most of the coaches coach that enter our hiring process, you can tell from the way they talk, communicate, and just kind of like embody themselves, if they are that or if they're waiting for, if they're waiting for the opportunity before they give it their all. Mm. And you can tell by the way they they talk and communicate and you know, I, the reason I say that is because I think a lot of coaches might be at a smaller gym and they might only be coaching a few people at a time. And they're thinking, well, you know, it's not worth it for me to give my all here because who, it, what, what is it really going to result in? And it always, it's, it's about the person that you grow into. And the next person's going to see that. I'm sure you guys hop on a lot of calls with potential hires and you can pick that up right away. If it's a person that gives their all, doesn't matter what's happening around them. It's, it's the attitude and it's the effort that they show up and, and you can see that without even having to see it. Yeah, I,
1: I agree with you. And you know, not only will it, it will definitely lead to other things down the road for you. If you're, if you're doing so well at what you do, it's almost undeniable at some point that something else is gonna be presented to you and give, give you an opportunity to take those skills that you currently have and expand upon them. But also just your overall satisfaction and your happiness and fulfillment in what you do. You know, I think that we do have an opportunity and obligation as coaches to give our athletes the absolute best every single day. And I, when you're able to do that, you can be really proud of the effort that you put in, and you can you can sit back after a long day of coaching and say. Yeah. This, I mean, this isn't brain surgery. I didn't, I didn't quote unquote, save anybody's lives today, but I had a tremendous impact on hundreds of people who are going to have an impact on hundreds of people because of who they interact with. But if you're not, if, you, if you're at the end of the day, you're like, and you look back and you reflect and you say, Hey, I, I left so much on the table that can become really heavy. And, and I, I, I don't want that for people either, you know? So it's kind of twofold. It's, yeah, you know what? Give your all, be present, focus on what you're doing because this can be a, an amazing way to grow and create opportunities and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's also a tremendous way to tap into just being really happy and fulfilled. Focus and stay
0: present. Awesome. How do you make sure you create that for yourself? You, it sounds like you've had those times that are tougher. And I think- you know, one of the things that I, I struggle with at times, especially in COVID, because of we have to kind of calm down sort of the social side of what we like to do here in the gym. But, you know, being behind a, a computer or being in an office a lot versus being out on the floor is a very different type of infusion of energy into your day. And it's a different type of benchmark into your day. There's maybe not as little less structure to your day potentially now. So how do you ensure that uh, you might disagree with that, but how do you ensure that you have um, you're able to give your all? And what are kind of kind of the checkpoints in your day for that?
1: Yeah, um, I actually I think that working remotely through COVID has been more challenging and harder to find times to step away and um, you know reflect or. Find, um, find some peace because it can become all consuming. Um, you know, There's no escape. And I think that this is a, this is a much deeper and uh, can be a dark conversation about the impacts of what's been going on. But like for a lot of people being at, in stay at home order or work from home takes their world that's already pretty narrow and narrows it even further to just one fucking screen all day all day and no opportunities to step away, no opportunities to exercise, no opportunities to walk away from a situation that might be challenging or troubling. just staring at your screen all day. That's really, really difficult. And you know, I get wrapped up in it because it's, I, lo- I, I really love to work. I think work is very fulfilling to me. I'm a task-driven individual. Um, I find uh, a lot of motivation and being challenged by things. Um, but it's also been hard for me to just disconnect and, and to take a step away and say, all right, now is my time to work out or my time to just be to myself um, or dive into those habits that I was better at implementing when I was able to have some natural breaks from the computer, you know, to be able to go down and see what's going down on the floor or take a class or coach a class. So um, it, it's been challenging for me. Um, what helps me a lot every day is having routine. Uh, making sure that I start my day a certain way, a certain time, you know, working through some stuff in the morning, figuring out when is a good time for me to step away from what I'm doing on a computer and go and experiment with movement or, or try something out and, and, you know, go analog for a while at the whiteboard. So a whole lot of different things, but um, a lot of it for me comes down to making sure that I'm disciplined, and I do when I when I feel the need to take a break that I don't feel bad about it. Take the break, do what you need to do, and then come
0: back to it. And are all your your California locations shut down right now? Is that
1: so? Uh, as of right now, which is uh, you know mid December, we have two locations that are open for outdoor operations only, and there's been a whole lot of different types of circumstances we've had to operate under, you know, complete shutdown, half indoor, half outdoor, indoor with masks only outdoor, only back to indoor, back to outdoor. So, um, we have, uh, three main locations in the San Jose area. One of them is still completely closed and two of them are operating with limited capacity and, um, restrictions on where you're able to do your fitness. So, um, we're, we're running a pretty lean schedule right now.
0: Yeah. How has this time um, evolved or changed your goals with NC fit? You know, the larger goals, not you individually, but you know, what, what you and Jason and your vision for this business, like where do you guys see it going in 2021 and beyond? Yeah.
1: I think that what's changed is that where we are reaching our customers or our athletes might be a little different because it had to be different. We had to change when we got a shutdown order and we couldn't run our classes anymore. How are we going to interact with the people who we want to so desperately interact with and who, who want to interact with us, who need fitness, who need an outlet at this point. So, you know, we were really quick to implement things like, uh, you know, completely follow along classes, you know, filmed with high quality cameras, filmed with high quality audio using our app, um, which we were very fortunate to have developed prior to all this, to reach our customers on an everyday basis, being more interactive with them through different means of electronic communication, because we weren't, we were missing the in-person stuff. And then figuring out, you know, all right, we know that our people in the California area who really loved what we did were thankful for this opportunity to continue their fitness. How do we bring this now to more people out there across the country, across the world who want to experience amazing training, amazing coaching, but might not have the opportunity to, because there's no local gym that they feel comfortable in or some sort of restrictions out there. So, you know, the goals really didn't change so much in, in what we wanted to do, which is expose as many people to what we know is a powerful and life-changing opportunity. Fitness is incredible. Community is incredible. Just where are we reaching these people? Bay Area, okay. yeah, we're going to be there. We're going to be in our gyms with amazing coaching, amazing training. But also, if things shut down the Bay Area, we're coming to you through our app
0: and giving you everything that we can through that. Now, is the app, because you, you guys have a side of the app that's coach and owner-facing and then a side of the app that's consumer-facing. Is it the Correct. same app?
1: Yes. So um, there, it is the same native quote unquote native app um but you have different levels based on uh who you are and how you've subscribed so if you were somebody who was working out in your garage we have nc fit plus which is our athlete facing version of the app and you can access all of our programs see all of our co- uh, athlete videos uh, have uh, amazing access to other resources to learn about nutrition mindset fitness all this kind of stuff it's it's an incredible value But then for coaches and owners, through our content and our programming that we distribute, we have a coaches' side of the app in which coaches can view a lot more details about how to administer this workout to a group class environment. And that's one of the unique things about what we do at NC Fit is every single workout that we put on on the floor or through the app has an incredibly detailed session plan associated with it and coaching content associated with it that allows coaches to go out there and deliver amazing performance. So we really, that's one of our main coaches development tools. And it's uh, a product that we we are really grateful for and thankful to be able to distribute to thousands
0: of gyms. Yeah, I love it. I've, I've done a, I think I did a, a month trial. I had done a, a month after um, the Iron and Mortar Summit last year. I oh, met Jason cool. out there and uh, it's great. I mean, I love what you guys are doing. I love that Yeah. I think you guys have a really cool business model and we've tried to set up ours this way as well, where everything kind of feeds into itself. So like what you do in the gym really well, you're teaching the exact same thing to gym owners uh, across the country and coaches across the country. And, you know, what you do with programming is also, you found a way to infuse coaches development into programming. So it's not two separate things. And I think it's really cool how you guys have created a lot of alignment within your business where a lot of things feed into themselves.
1: Well, I appreciate that a lot and you know some of some of it was intentional and and some of it was because we genuinely needed to create these processes for ourselves. You know, everything that we've developed through the NC Fit collective which is our programming, our session plans, our coaching development product, all of that stuff was developed for our own team first. It was Uh, I hate the word selfish because it has such a negative connotation, but it was selfish for us. Like we needed to be better on the floor. We needed more consistency. We needed better coaching. We needed more informed coaches and we needed them to all have access to it all at the same time through a very easy to use vehicle. And that's how the collective got started. So, you know, it's been a pretty long evolution over the past three and a half, four years, but um, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that we use these things every single day. Uh, through for thousands of athletes and hundreds of coaches around the world for ourselves. And
0: then we're also allowing other people to have access to it. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so I know uh, we're going to kind of wrap up here soon. I wanted to talk about your new podcast a little bit. I just oh, listened cool. to your first episode this morning <laughs> with with Jason, which was awesome. Um, and you guys kind of talk a little bit about, you know, the reason for having this new podcast versus the business of fitness, which is the one that if people have heard you are probably – Uh, know you from, but can you talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the vision behind the new podcast and how that's going to bounce off the business of fitness? Yeah, for sure. So the new,
1: thank you very much for bringing that up. The new podcast is called the intro with MDV, and it's really a podcast that's aimed at talking in a very authentic manner to coaches, athletes, and fitness enthusiasts about the things that we all love and the things that we've dedicated our lives to. So You know, it's not just going to be a technical coaching podcast. You know, we're not just going to break down the front squat and how do you administer it on the floor? I want to talk to people who are out there doing amazing things and have perspective on coaching that can add value to people who are out there coaching classes every single day. So just for an example, I had an amazing interview uh, this morning with a friend of mine, Logan Aldridge, who Logan is an adaptive athlete um he has been uh, absolutely instrumental in bringing a new awareness to training adaptive athletes the adaptive training academy which he runs is the you know preeminent place to go and get this education and i think that that's a perspective on coaching that's really unique and, and a, a thing that coaches struggle and me athletes struggle with it too how how are we going to work with these athletes or handle these situations so that's a that's a, a really relevant example um, and I'm super excited about it because I just think we need to be talking about this stuff more. That's the thing that misses. There's a huge gaping hole in coaches' education out there, and that's the, one of the reasons we created the NC Fit Collective. It's one of the reasons we go so deep into our session plans every day, is because we are one of the only professions that doesn't have daily education, doesn't have, you know, really. Um, hard practices on how you are improving your skills every single day. And we are trying to change that. So everything that we're doing is based around
0: just opening up the conversation for people more. I appreciate that. You know, I've been a big fan of yours and Jason's for a while. And I think you guys are really bringing some unique ideas, unique values to the coaching table and um, appreciate what you guys have done with business of fitness and collective and, and now this new podcast. So thanks for coming on, MDV. Um, Anything else that you want to share in terms of where people can find out about, um, you mentioned the podcast is called The Intro with MDV. What about NC Fit Collective and Business Fitness?
1: Well, thank you for, yeah. uh, Again, thank you for having me on. Uh, If you want to know anything about what we do at NC Fit, you can find us on the internet, nc.fit, or on Instagram at nc.fit. There are very easy ways to find out what we're doing. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at @ndmdv_nc, MD, underscore NC. And um, yeah, I, I think that this is a, an amazing opportunity for us all to, to really, you know, the COVID thing in general, to reflect back on what's important to us, to really invest in our skills and to come out of this thing on the other side much better. And there's, there's a lot of opportunity and, and hope on the horizon. And I just hope people out there feel the same. Um, I know it's, it's tough for a lot of coaches. I've talked to a lot of coaches who have been down and out, but I I really do think that there's going to be a, a bright future for us
0: for sure. I agree. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much.